Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. So we're back with another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. We've got Christine Valilla uh, here with us today and tuning in live from just outside of Boston. Hopefully it is warmer than Charleston. Uh, I am currently very chilly uh, at a balmy, I think it's like 55 here. So I start to think cold means like 55. I'm assuming that doesn't no. mean cold in your environment. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> it does not. <laughs> Christine is um, a customer success leader at uh, Baton, which is an awesome company that we can talk about a little bit um, here. But Christine, thanks for joining us uh, from I, what I imagine is chilly Boston right now. Yeah, it's chilly. It's below freezing. So you're right. Yes. <laughs> no, that's, thank you for that that's a more that's a that's a more adequate answer, I guess, is that it's below it's below freezing, so it actually is cold. Uh, yes, whereas yes. here it's like you know 55. I'm in pants and a long sleeve shirt in my office, and uh, I'm you know still cold. So you know why I know it's below freezing. I had I had some like liquids in the um in the car that I was like, oh, I have to bring these inside, otherwise it's going to be a total mess in my car. So yes, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I like that. Well, um, Christine, I know uh, we were just going, you know, uh, swapping stories back and forth and uh, talking about some of our experiences. So before we dive into uh, maybe some of our topics today, maybe just what are some of the um, highlights of your career that you've, you know, kind of woven through? It sounds like, you know, you, uh, you've done customer success before it was customer success and you've kind of seen a bunch of different things. So maybe give us some uh, quick highlights and then we'll start diving into a couple of topics uh, that would be fun to kind of riff on back and forth. Sure. Well, the path is always clear once you're looking backwards, right? So yes, I started in customer success before it was called customer success. So back in 2000, I worked for a company called Intershop based in Europe. Um, and the founder of that company founded a company that some of you know, some people might know called um, Demandware. So I was part of that founding team back in the early 2000s. And that company became very successful, was sold to Salesforce in 2016 for $2.8 billion. Um, and then I worked again with um, that founder, Stefan Schaubach, at his third company, Newstore. So, you know, we talked about some of those relationships having a lot of longevity. Um, yeah. And I'm a builder. Like, I love that early, messy stage. Um, then from Demandware, I went to a company called Indeca, um, which also got acquired by or so this one by Oracle in 2011 for 1.1 billion. And that's where um, I took a foray into ops. So specifically I was in FPNA and then services operations. And like my, one of my takeaways that I'm gonna highlight again at the end of the conversation is if you're hiring for customer success roles, take a look at those ops people, those business analysts, make sure they have a personality, right? That they're not just number crunchers, but I think that's a great role because they think about process, they think about the systematic implications of what they're doing, good deals, bad deals, what is the client talking about, patterns, et cetera. Um, yeah, and so was it work, was it in NECA, um, discovered that I have a heart of a builder. I mean, I knew it before, but you said like feeling like a, co a cog in a wheel. Um, that was totally Oracle. So there I leaned into emerging markets. So I got sent to um, cover Asia Pacific based out of London. Um, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, really working with partner networks and emerging regions. Um, so I've really seen growth from smaller companies to larger ones. And that's my passion. And so now I'm with Baton and in that um, real, you know, growth stage, which I love. Yeah. Very cool. Um, well, I think one of the things that we were you know, going to start kind of weaving our way through just today is um, that point that you brought up. So I think what's really interesting about our community so far that we've started to notice is um, maybe there's kind of two points of differentiation that we've started to notice, which is um, this kind of like uh, early versus mature stage. So like, mm -hmm. are you early on in your journey? Are you mature as an organization? Uh, and then the other vertical or the other axis that we think about that I think our audience tends to 
um, kind of equate to is kind of which customers do you sell to? Um, yes. You know, are they uh, SMB type businesses? Are they enterprise type businesses? And so um, I think it's interesting because it sounds like you've kind of got both angles, right? So I think you've seen both axes, you know, which is uh, this kind of early versus mature and how kind of customer success changes along that. And then also kind of the customers that you're serving, um, depending on where they are, um, on kind of that second axis, you know, about, uh, SMB versus kind of an enterprise type business can, can also change. So where, where should we start on that? Where, where's a good place to kind of dive in? Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, the SMB and the small company. So, yeah. um, the tweetable sentence that I <laughs> want us to think about is role and goal. So, um, we were chatting a little bit earlier about how when you're small, right, you're usually actually selling to the decision maker who is simultaneously in a small business, the CEO and the person who has the pain point of what you're selling when it's a B2B piece of software that makes the, the entire package pretty easy actually, because the person you were selling to articulated some pain points and they were on either, you know, a one year scale or a six month scale. And that's what you have to achieve with your onboarding. So good, easy check mark. And there you're either achieving that goal or not. Um, when you start to serve very large enterprises, that totally changes. So um, there's a vision that's set at the top, let's say at the, in the C-suite or the office of, and it's usually um, a 12 or 24 month goal. That's very high level, like um, increase market share, you know, take out the competition, increase margin. It's just a big kind of a goal like that. And it's just one. And then when you get into onboarding, you start working with a totally different team, right? Somewhere in the middle of the organization and they have very different goals, right? They were handed down like a, a kind of bite-sized piece of that very large goal and told you better get this live by Thanksgiving or else. And you really need to know that. So, you know, I've kind of worked at every level being the person who was having that conversation to leading the teams of people who are having those conversations. It's very important to understand what that is. Like, what is your motivator? What is going to get you um, a promotion, right? And when you ask that, you're also figuring out what's going to get them fired. So basically it's like, what's your MBO? I will make you successful in your MBO. Um, yeah. And you have to know both. Like sometimes you end up with two, two goals, help this company decrease, you know, spend or increase margin, but also launch by Thanksgiving or my counterpart is, um, going to be unsuccessful. Yeah. I, I love the uh, simplicity and just the role and goal aspect. Cause I think um, I tend to think where we are now, just from an industry perspective is we're like at that point where we're just starting to overcomplicate things just yeah. for like the sake of it. Right. And it's like, I think in some cases we're trying to reinvent customer success, right. We're trying to make it this, it's gotta be this established and this new thing. And, and um, by and large, I think we're, you know, it's been around, we've just called it different things. We're kind of pulling some of the best practices from different parts and, you know, kind of forming what it is. But um, I love the role and goal piece because uh, I think oftentimes one of the things that we're trying to coach our teams about um, in terms of our customer success or even our strategic services as well is um, understanding that we're connecting at a human, human level with some yes. of those people. So like, to your point, like their motivator um, a lot of times is something you can tap into because uh, it might not be right. You might get the to your point, you might get, hey, we need to reduce our cost and we need to get this in time. You know, we need to implement this in time. But then also you can kind of stay a level deeper and be like, hey, like, do you want a promotion here? Like, what are you doing? If you can yes. connect on like that level as well, like I think it, be, it takes that relationship to a different level. Um, and then that's the kind of the understanding that you have with that person as you go through that kind of evolution that you can kind of rely upon is like, hey, we're uh, almost like it's like we're, hey, we're, we're starting to tell secrets, right? We've got like the can and the string in the middle. We're kind of talking to each other yeah. in a language that we can both understand. Uh, yeah. 
I love the way you said it. And uh, another guest that you had on this podcast, I hope I'm getting his name right, Gitano Denardi. He said, he was like, your customers need you less because it's the grapevine. The grapevine is, so if you make that individual successful, they will have positive emotion towards you and your company. And they're, you know, they're going to leave their company. They're going to go to another one. Um, I mean, business karma is real. It's the halo of your brand, the company you work for, and then you as an individual. Um, so I really loved how he said that because we think of onboardings and, you know, we can, as we were saying, onboardings go one of three ways. They go completely smoothly. Um, and I was actually, as part of Baton, I, you know, I do some onboardings myself just because I like to stay close to the customer. And I was talking to somebody getting some feedback and he was like, oh yeah, they never go totally smoothly. And I was like, yep, that's right. <laughs> um, the second version is, you know, you have some friction, but you get over it together. And the third version is you have some friction and you never recover from that friction. So, you know, in, in my world, option two is the one you want every time, which is you encounter friction and you build some sort of solution with the client. And, you know, we talked about horizontal axes and vertical axes. As executives, I think it's important for us when we look at metrics to lean into the red and want to minimize it, of course, in ways that we can change our process and go, oh, you know, in a systemic way, we're doing this incorrectly, we should change. But also, like, what can we learn? Let's lean into that. Let's get some truth. Let's not go with the assumption. And being honest with the junior team members that we have, because if they don't know that that's where the magic is for the growth of our own company, they're going to hide it. They're going to be like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, how many yeah. of us have been surprised and gone, well, how long have we known about this, right? It's because we aren't inviting that friction point and like i wish there was a better word maybe you and i can come up with one of like yeah. where the magic happens that's where the relationship is built with your client like a client who's gone through something tough with you maybe like the tough mother races is going to be so <laughs> much closer to you than somebody who's like yeah it's great implementation i have nothing to say the onboarding is unmemorable um or they made me successful they saved my bacon i'm getting a promotion because of them yeah I was just looking up synonyms. Um, I was looking up like adversity as like yes. a word, but I feel like okay. that might be, you know, that might be somewhere else. But, um, but no, I, I tend to actually like the word friction a lot because, okay. uh, and I'll give you an example of like where I use it um, yeah. in, in our customer experience. That might be interesting, but okay. um, I wanted to go back for a minute because I loved the fact that you said, you know, there's three ways that onboarding go, which is going smoothly, friction and get over it or friction and you don't get over it. And yeah. I, I love that you just gloss over the first one or like the, the first one and just said, Hey, you know what? Nothing's ever going to go smoothly. Like as much as we hope it in this world, we want it, you know, it's just like, let's not uh, kid ourselves here. Like, let's just prepare um, for num situation number two, which is like, how do we create as many situations, positive experiences where we get, where we have friction and we get over it. Um, and if we get something that goes smoothly, that's where it's like gravy on top almost, I think is yeah. the way I was taking that. But I like the I, I don't know. I like the honesty there because I think a lot of people would have said, oh yeah, like we're, you know, we just plan for smooth onboardings all the time and this is how it goes. But, um, I was, I don't think that's very true. It's uh, not. Yeah. I mean, timelines change like COVID look at the reality of the world we're dealing with <laughs> yeah. today. There's just so many unpredictable things. And if you can, you know, catch those juggling balls because you were expecting them, you're in just such a better um, position, but you're going to talk to me about friction. Oh yeah. Well, so, um, where I use friction right now is, um, we are, so just in our customer life cycle, our customer, if you're a customer of ours, yeah. um, I think what we've done is we've created some un unnecessary friction um, given the tools that we're using. So we have a community for our customers. We have a knowledge base. We've got um, like a, an academy or uh, a training you know, area where we can send them. Um, we've got a website with a blog and articles and things that they can go read. 
And one of the things I'm noticing and, and similar to your point is um, we're creating a lot of unnecessary friction for our customers. And it's mainly based on ourselves. It's based off of the tools that we're using. We're letting the tools limit the experience we're trying to create for our customers. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's an interesting situation just to kind of get into because we are um, at one point just trying to shape what does the future of this look like? If you were just designing it as a frictionless experience, right? Like how are we designing that? Um, knowing full well there's going to be friction, but like how do we start minimizing some of those areas? But uh, so that's just why I like the word friction because I'm using yeah. it a lot right now. But uh, it's kind of a different area um, compared to onboarding. But I think, you know, similar to me a similar um, idea where in onboarding, like you mentioned, you know, there's going smoothly friction and get over it or friction and not get over it. And I think right now you can almost take that same, those same three categories and just say for our customer experience, like, you know, is it going smoothly? Are we creating friction? And are we getting over it? Or now are we creating friction and not getting over it? And yeah. you know, I think right now we're somewhere between the bottom two on that. Um, like we haven't just figured out the right way to um, kind of define those areas that we're trying to send the customer for a reason yeah. and sure why we're sending them there. So, well, uh, you know, what's popping into my head, roll and goal, who yeah. are they? What are they trying to do? <laughs> That's why I wrote this down actually, because we're, we're going, uh, we're doing a sim we're doing an exercise. Uh, I'm talking way too much about this, but, or talking way too much during this episode, but we're um, I'll probably cut this out now. We're doing an episode <laughs> like or we're doing uh roll and goal becomes really important because one thing we're trying to go test right now is this, um, kind of dedicated training experience that we're trying to create. And so role and goal to me becomes really an easy way for us to go identify who's the role of that person, what's the goal they're trying to achieve. And then how can I just apply some very specific training, education, enablement to that person in that role. Uh, and if I can boil it down to those two things, I feel like that is the most simple denominator that I can get to essentially for that person to make sure it's a, a tailored experience. It might not be yeah. customized, but it's a tailored experience. So um, that's why I wrote that down. I'm going to- I love really it. I'm literally going to go take that and, and put it into a deck that I'm like presenting tomorrow. So, uh, Perfect. there you go. This, this is customer yeah, this is success at its finest. <laughs> yeah. It's it very is. actionable. No, and April, it's so actionable. Like it's just, it's putting to your point, it's putting the person at the center of the interaction because we're like all business people trying to achieve something. I mean, I love it when I have a meeting and someone's like, here's what I want to get from you. I'm like, perfect. I will give that to you. You know, like, great. <laughs> yeah. Let's not guess. Um, it's just super helpful. So as you were describing friction, I was actually thinking of tension, right? Two people oh, yeah. holding a string. The smooth onboardings mean they're not engaged actually, <laughs> because it means they've dropped the other side of the string very often, like rarely it'll be like super smooth. But yeah. if, if you're facing that tension, it's because they're engaged, right? They're like, I understand what you're saying. Now that I can see the, the details of this story you're showing me, I'm going to change it a little bit. And that's good. That means they are fully engaged. Um, they I'll show, really you, understand. I'll show you my notebook. I just drew, you know, a nice little Tension, yes. tension on a string and yes. two people. Yeah, those those people out there won't be able to see that, but um, they'll be able to hear me talk about it. Uh, but I, I like that example a lot. That's a good analogy because um, I think it fits. Like you said, if they drop the string, it's uh, not necessarily a good thing, right? Because that means down the line too, we might not have a relationship established there to be able to rely upon um, as we go through the customer life cycle with them and as they're you know exactly certain milestones. So exactly. I love that. So, so the company where I currently am, where I told you, I started out as an advisor and was just sort of giving my opinion. And then I became very involved with Bataan because they're like, no, we like your opinion. We want you to be involved more. And so now I head up customer success there. Part of the solution there is this Bataan handoff, right? It's a running analogy of uh, really yeah. race, but it's sort of rushing to that tension point, if you will, which is if, if everyone can clearly see what they're trying to achieve and those tension points can be bubbled up, you can talk about them. And you talk a lot in this podcast about authenticity and 
that's what it is. It's like, where is that point of authenticity? Where is the point where the cord goes boop and you go, oh, okay, hold on. You're pulling a little too hard. I don't know if I can do that. Let's reel it back and let's talk about where you can give, where I can give and how we can make this whole thing successful. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, what I wanted to go back to just for a moment, because you mentioned something just as we started talking about kind of SMB and enterprise, right? And you were mentioning yes. how um, kind of SMB organizations, you know, the the role and goal. So the role might be more selling into kind of uh, like CEOs and, and C-levels, mm -hmm. right? Like you're kind of dealing with maybe uh, the leaders of the business a lot more. And the goals yeah. are probably smaller because they're um, those types of businesses are growing and moving quickly, tend, tend to be growing and moving quickly, right? So they're not thinking three years down the road, they're thinking, you know, hey, we're implementing and doing something that's, you know, six to 12 months. It's like, we got to be kind of moving a little bit quicker. And so I'm curious, like, um, do you approach the types of questions and the milestones and some of the things you were just talking about, right? The tension that we're creating on that rope. Um, are there different criteria that you're looking at just besides role and goal at an SMB versus like uh, an enterprise that like becomes pretty significant that you're kind of noticing a difference between? Um, that's a great question. So with the early stage companies, they too are currently listening to their own customers. So yeah. they have a lot of change going on with their own product. So, you know, Blake Bartlett was talking about the, you know, leading with product, they're leading with product. And that means that product is evolving, which means their relationship with you is going to evolve. So I think kind of a live approach <laughs> to the relationship is important at that stage in the middle. Um, you know, before they get to large, two things generally happen at the same time. And it's, they're having growth, which means what they've been doing. Oh, yay, they're taking off. It's really working. But then they're looking for repeatability at the same time. So that's actually really exciting as well, because they have internal tension. Usually that's when they're like, okay, wow, what our people used to do, we need to do with tools. So for yeah. our, you know, the purposes of our conversation, that's the most exciting part. Um, the learning is hard to do at that time because they are so time compressed <laughs> that they don't have a lot of extra um, time to give you. So if you are a B2B business trying to learn from your customer base, really embrace the criticism in that early stage when you're dealing with early stage companies because they have a lot of time and interest and they're um, trying to figure things out at the same time. You know, sometimes a tool will sort of show you how other people are doing the same thing you're doing because of the way the tool is set up. So they're getting as much out of the exchange as you are. Um, yeah. During that, you know, you know, growth and repeatability, there's just no fat. So, you, you know, you can sell to them, but you can't learn all that much unless it's like at scale, you're looking at metrics. And then the very large companies, um, they're really struggling with staying close to authenticity and also starting to segment their customer base, right? Because they need, they cannot do the same thing for their entire client base. So if you help them figure that out, that's successful. So when I think of the role and goal, early stage, it's the same person. So you probably just have one set of, you know, the super key. During growth and repeatability, you need to come with a playbook for them because they are so time strapped. So if you're like, other people do this, are you flavor A or B? They're like, great, I'm B, good, I have a conversation. <laughs> and then larger companies, um, you actually have several sets of the roles and goals because there's the visionary, what is the visionary trying to achieve? And then what is the doer trying to achieve? And the doer probably is gonna cycle out of that role within the lifetime of your relationship with the company. So if you built a good relationship there, you just sold two accounts instead of one. Um, is how I think yeah. That. yeah, one of the um, one of the analogies we use too as we start thinking about just um, making sure we're looking at different types of personas and not at the same mm -hmm. person, right? I think that's uh, often sometimes uh, something that we get caught up into. So we think about um, executive sponsor, uh, 
champion and then power user as like yeah. three levels. And we yes. have to have a contact identified at each. Yes. Um, and then like that becomes kind of our, also our, just a little bit of our mapping for our customers. So, you know, who's the, who's the executive sponsor? Do we have some notes on him or her? Um, you know, who's the champion, same thing. Like who, and then, and so we also think about like what having at least one executive sponsor, two champions, three power users. Yeah. Um, and generally, you know, when you start to your point, I think, uh, it starts to depend on where you are. Right. So, cause SMB, we're probably not going to have, or, or early stage or SMB type customer, we're not going to have all those, you know, that many roles or people. Um, but certainly as the complexity goes up and you're starting to look at enterprise or more mature businesses, and you've got multiple stakeholders, multiple departments who might be using your tool, like you've got to start thinking about these, um, a little bit more of these complex maps, you know, about who's in the organization and who do we have buy-in from? What are they, you know, what are they helping us achieve? Um, so I do like the, I also just like the simplicity of uh, visionary and doer, um, you know, just making sure we've kind of got at least just two levels covered. Um, because I think sometimes what we've noticed a lot is that we get caught up in situations where a lot of times, and I think this is what we heard from our uh, community as well, where, um, you kind of have that just one more, one main point of contact. And mm-hmm. then once that, you know, the, the, once that person leaves, it's like, oh shit, you know, at that moment, like, what are we going to go <laughs> they, do? They drop the piece of yarn and walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. Like, we have nobody behind them. Yeah. Uh, this is where the yarn, and actually, um, this is where your, your string and tension actually probably comes into play even more, right? Cause you can actually have multiple pieces of string for the same account, right? So yes. I've actually got kind of five pieces of string that I'm trying to uh, keep tension on at the same time. And so I need to be able to notice if one drops out and then are we replacing that person or is it going to be four and we're still okay. Um, And um, that I also think that, and I'm going to stop talking right after this, I promise. No, Uh, I love it. I love it. The the other, the other thing that just is a challenge too, right. Is um, I think a little too often people are trying to take customer success managers and just associate them with revenue, right? Okay. We're going to do renewal. We're going to do gross retention. We're going to go net retention. And um, I think, again, kind of looking at maybe the evolution of customer success right now, I think we're swinging in that direction because we're at that moment where we have to prove value by monetary reasons. Like we yeah. have to show that we're tied to revenue. We have to show that we're tied to renewal. Um, and I think where you lo- where, where that gets lost is the art of like, I have five strings at one company that I'm trying to keep mm-hmm. tension on. Yeah. Uh, now multiply that by my hundred accounts that I have. And I might have 500 contacts that I need to be keeping in touch with throughout a year, you know, and it's like, okay, where's the art coming back in about, you know, relationship management and, you know, relationship mapping and actually kind of building these credible, to your point, building these credible relationships that might last multiple businesses. So that's my tangent for a minute, but I just, no, I love that. And it actually sparked an idea in terms of um, the node of power. So let's talk about customer success as a node of power within an organization um, if it's just the renewal to your point earlier, that's not a very powerful node. If it is the voice of the customer within the organization, which is a product led organization, it's very powerful because what it does is it ties the client to product, right? The, the product team should be listening to the most customer success and customer success as a definition can do so many things. It can include support. It doesn't include support. It's so many things, but it's basically like that field team, like who's yep. talking to the most customers and those junior success people if they become really good, what you're training them to do is listen to customers and detect patterns, right? And then when they detect patterns, articulate them in a way that the internal team can understand, right? Because either it's a pivot or it's a total breakout of a line of business because, you know, all the models that we're applying on our customer base, we can apply to ourselves. At the beginning, we're trying to understand, you know, what resonates with my customer. Oh, I thought we were going to sell because of this, but actually, you know, FinServe loves our InfoSec angle or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then when you go to growth and repeatability, 
okay, great, how do we get out of this? Do we need to break something out independently? And the people who will tell you that are the field team. So if you foster them, they like their best friends internally are um, product, also sales, right? Because sales is like, here, take this, you know? (laughs) And even when they throw the bombs over, that's okay, right? You you sort of have to understand the situation they're in and why they did that. And, um, you know, the CFO, oh, right? When we said there's three ways to have an onboarding process, that is also when your retention is defined. It's in that moment. Because if you go with option one, yeah, I don't know. Or is there tension on the other side of that yarn? If there isn't, they're not going to renew. You already know yeah. it, right? If yep. you get through the relationship, you know, the bump, and then you get through it together, not only have you made them successful, but they're like, you know what? We picked the right vendor because holy smokes, they understood us and they are going to evolve. You know what? This is probably the right choice for the long term. Um, and then the third version, you already lost the renewal, right? You hit the friction yep. point and you couldn't deliver. So it's over. So the CFO, cares about, um, if it's a good note of power, right, within the org, cares a lot about customer success. Yeah, um, I like that idea of note of power. And um, the the idea too of detecting patterns and being able to articulate that, I think is something that we hear a lot about from our community members. And just, I, I think we've struggled with as an organization as well, right? Where um, I think what tends to happen is uh, I have a friend over in product and I just mentioned, Hey, my customer did X, Y, and Z. Right. And then pretty soon we all have friends over in different departments and we're yeah. just kind of throwing things over and um, you know, really what starts to be needed. And I think where you're going with that too, is like, if we can, as a, an entire customer success team, as actually an entire customer organization, how can we kind of boil and bubble these things up in the right way so that we actually have impact that we can go show to the product team um, and kind of bring those stories at the right moment. So instead of just lobbying them over kind of one by one saying, hey, here's a customer that needs X, here's a customer that needs Y. If we can actually bring X and Y together in one um, story, then like that helps the product team uh, kind of contextualize some of those stories a little bit better. I think that's something we hear a lot of teams struggle with, which is, um, you know, how do you kind of get the teams into this concept of like, hey, you know, CSMs, we need to be sharing. We have a shared Google sheet that we all just start jotting down, you know, product ideas where our customers are asking. And then, you know, we can try and help uh, kind of bring our best ideas over to product rather than lobbying a hundred over, you know, we, we bring five to the table. Uh, yeah. So, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this hierarchy on the executive team. So first you have to have, have seat at the table at the executive meeting, like that's thing number one. And then yeah. I think there's this hierarchy that still exists. Sales is always highest hierarchy, right? Then they ask product to speak like, okay, what did we sell? Okay, great. What's coming next. <laughs> yeah. And then like only if you have airtime, you know, it's HR and customer success. But if you have compelling data that you present, on an ongoing basis and when sales, you know, lobs those bombs over the um, fence and if you track them, but rather than like complain about them, right? And the other thing is like, I love sales leaders. My husband is a sales leader, like great charismatic people. They will um, derail the executive meeting conversation if they're like, I had drinks with, you know, X client yesterday and they said the thing's going terribly and you pull up the data, you're like, no, it's going great. Like we'll talk to them. You know, that's not one of the top accounts that, you know, has, this relevance in what we're looking at, but, you know, we'll look into that. If you have good data that's real time, um, you're just armed for those conversations. And then you have, you reassert the note of power that sounds so aggressive, but basically you're like, I have information that is of incredible value to you sales because I will let you sell more. I will help you sell more next quarter and to you products because, you know, we can prioritize what you're creating and or like, do you have things you want us to ask? You know, we, we are your um, channel. We are your, yeah. 
No, I, um, I don't think it's like too aggressive at all. Like I love that note of power thing. Cause I think it's, again, I like, I like it cause I think it's authentic. Like I think a lot yeah. of times like people, you can feel it in the company, right? Like when you, yeah. walk, when, I mean, we're not walking into the building of in four walls right now, but like you can inherently see, right. I think to your point of like, okay, what type of organization is this? Who's got some clout? Who's got yes. this note of power? And it's not, it doesn't stay that way every single day, every single time, yeah. right? It, it's shift in it. But I think to your point, noticing, or at least acknowledging that and then understanding how can I impact that node of power? And um, I love the point you made too, which is um, we need data in order to help um, contextualize like the problems and the challenges and the successes yes. that we're having. But also I think one of the things that people um, can get misconstrued on is um, it's even way more powerful if you can actually bring both quantitative and qualitative yes. data to the table. I yes. think sometimes we focus a lot on the, well, no, the, and this goes back to your point, right? We're focusing on, um, no, their implementation only took 29 days. Like this is, they're fine. They're underneath mm-hmm. our 30 day mark. Yeah. And um, the uh, the other pow- powerful side, right? Is like, well, you know what? The qualitative side of that says, um, you know, one of our relationships was really happy. One was really upset because we missed their deadline or there was some big event they were having and we missed that. And it's like, okay, now we've got some other, um, context to the situation that helps to bring those two points together where it just makes a powerful, uh, makes it that much more powerful and um, provides the additional context. So I like also making sure people think about the qualitative and the quantitative. Yes. Um, so don't go too far in one direction. Yeah, I love that. I, I think the trick is lead with quality, sorry, lead with quantitative and follow up with qualitative. Um, the company in DECA that I work for that like it kind of has this reputation for having super high quality people who work there. It was very data-driven, incredibly data-driven, but these informal networks that you're mentioning were so strong. So, it, and it was more like um, the data would go out and then the questions would come through the relationships, which to me is so strong because it's like, I'm reading this data, tell me the story behind you know this. And that's yeah. where you start to really unpack, well, here are the patterns we're seeing with our customers and really um, imbuing that throughout the org down to the lowest level of, and lowest level, I mean like the most junior people so that they understand, you know, what are they doing? What is this job? Like, what am I trying to understand? And you know, what do you want me to watch for? Oh, interesting. I'm seeing this as a pattern. And does that mean anything? Yeah, definitely. And I think that gets back to to infusing some of the, like some of customer success throughout like the entire organization and and customer centricity is the buzzword right now, right? Like how are you being customer centric? Yeah. Uh, but I think one of the things, it goes back to your point that like, it's even just simply just making sure that we're telling those stories throughout the organization. We're using the quantitative and the qualitative together. Uh, like one thing we're trying to do right now, um, or two things maybe that are interesting is we um, we just had our customer conference. And so we had kind of two weeks worth of, we kept it short, like two or three hours worth of content yeah. today. Like we didn't, you know, try and jam it in. But one of the fun things we did is we had customer awards and um, we recorded probably 30 minutes of conversations with our, with these customers saying, Hey, you won this award. Like, let's talk about what you did, how you did that. And I'm um, sure we might use that for some marketing material. But the reason why we did that was actually for our entire customer organization, right? We've got uh, hundreds of people in our team. And so it's like, how can we then kind of take that video and maybe, yes. uh, Short it, shorten it down, but then play that back into our organization and say, oh my gosh, look at this, you know, 15 minute video from one of our customers and the story that they have and what they did and hear it from their mouth, right? Like here's yes. the successes. Yes. That's one thing that we're, we did, which I'm pretty um, excited about. And the second thing that we're going to do is um, we actually picked this up from somebody on, I think it was LinkedIn or maybe our community um, the other day, but we're going to do a monthly, we're going to try to do a monthly um, customer interview live. So we're going to invite oh, wow. our entire customer community Yes. Our, our entire customer organization, just to something like this, where uh, like one of us would be leading a conversation with our customer and it's yeah. um, just to infuse like more stories back into our organization and just get people comfortable with like, Hey, we're just going to ask, you know, hopefully our customer will be comfortable, but it's like, Hey, we're going to ask you some questions yeah. about like, 
what are some of the goals you helped you achieved? Like, you know, where are some of the struggles? Like, tell us the good and the bad. And, um, but I think, you know, my point in being and kind of reemphasizing your point, which is like, the more that you can take those stories down and and wide into the organization, I think that's where you also get the, um, the buy-in for customer success in the long term as well. Um, you're starting to to infuse it. So it's so true. And I'll give a takeaway. You actually used with me, one of my favorite tricks, which is, so like there's any execs and then like team members earlier in their career, it's to get a story, you tell a story, right? So, yeah. the you know, at the very beginning, I've just been in so many startups where you're, you know, there's a one point, you only have one client, what are you going to do? You just yeah. tell those client stories and you anonymize them, but you say, you know, some of our clients do blah, blah, blah. Do you do the same or the opposite? And so you've given them a reference point and then they start telling you how they do it. And it's either like, yes, that's exactly how we do it or no, that, you know, we do it completely differently, but um, that just unlocks the conversation because you've established credibility, you've made them comfortable um, and you've given them the shape of what you're asking. So a lot of these relationships is like, what are we trying to achieve? So you've given them the shape of what you're trying to achieve. So for your, that data collection of qualitative kind of stories, it's to your point, give your team one story, it can be just one, make sure they totally understand it though, right? Yeah. But it's not just a script that they're reading, but really yeah, yeah. this insight of having them listen to a full conversation is perfect because then they really understand it and then they can ask knowledgeably. Um, yeah. More. Uh, I don't like, I don't know if you have a book full of like these little, like very, you've taken like complex <laughs> concepts and just made them very small. So like roll and goal, give a story, tell a story. Is that what it was? Yeah. 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 Uh, visionary doer. Like, so I don't know if you're hoarding these somewhere or like how you come up with these, but I appreciate them because I just wrote down a ton uh, through this interview that I'm going to try and go take to our team and figure out how we can start implementing some of these things. Note of power. Is another Super. One, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess yeah. that's just what, I mean, that's the other funny thing is you don't realize you have experience until you start and really until you start mentoring people and they're like, Oh my gosh, I have, you know, I have help for you. Um, but at Baton, it might end up through, you know, some of it might funnel out through the Baton method. Um, but, yeah. you know, if you love this, it's a great spot. Customer success is because the landscape changes, the companies change, you know, as a builder speaking to a builder, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's great fun. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll have another chat in the future, but there's oh a God. ton of these. Yeah. There's more. Uh, yes. There's you more. Don't, you don't, yeah. You don't know it yet, but we're, you just signed yourself up for more of these because, um, <laughs> If, if we have, uh, if we, if we have good rapport, then technically like nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm going to try and find some way to bring you back on. So super, um, super awesome. I like this. Well, Yay. Christine, how can, um, how can people find you or Baton, uh, more about that? I know you just mentioned the Baton method. I don't know if that's a great place for people to, to start and even. Yeah. Look, uh, so, um, hello, baton.com is the company. Um, so for some of these tools of like, you know, start to get through the bumps with the client. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and that's another great place. Awesome. Well, I appreciate this. I'm excited for it to come out. Um, I'm now thinking about like what the name of it's going to be. Like maybe it's like, you know, uh, tension in a string or like, uh, you know, something like friction and get over it. But um, we'll play with that as we go. I think there'll be a fun title because I feel like you've got a lot of um, maybe it's rolling goal or something. But um, thank you for spending some time with us tonight. I'm glad we finally got connected in a meet and uh, we're going to do this again soon. Awesome. And the dogs were quiet. Look at that. They were. Yeah, actually, they're... um, I would show you it's a little dark in my office, but they're just sleeping. Uh, they had dinner and are sleeping now. So yes, they're very, uh, I'll show you this guy. This is Toby. I don't know if you're a dog person, but. Uh, um, I'm going to be. My husband's a total dog. <gasps> oh my Toby. gosh. Oh my gosh. He Did is... you just wake him up? He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is Toby. Uh, we're going to cut this part out of the podcast, but this is Toby. He's just laying next awesome. to my desk. Um, he's yeah, a nice he's little, adorable. he's a nice little fella. He's like 20 pounds. Oh, I love him. Loves it. Oh my gosh. That's a good yeah. life. That's a good life. Oh, yeah. He just had dinner. <laughs> he just gets to do whatever he wants to do. So um, that's awesome. Well, Christine, this was awesome. Thank you so yeah. much for doing it. And, Thanks uh, again. 
yeah, I'm glad we got to meet and looking forward to, um, to doing this more. And yeah. you know, I would love uh, if there's any way we can help you, you know, if there's anything that we can, any introductions we can make to people or if there's okay. anything we can do for the community, um, just let me know. I'm happy to awesome. try and do anything we can to, um, to help. So Sounds great. Thanks again, Jeff. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.